Welcome, welcome. Glad you could make it. Hello and welcome, everybody. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com. And for those that are new, we do this every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time or 9 p.m. Eastern if you don't know where the mountains are. So welcome. We have some exciting stuff to go over today. The first thing that we do every week is we go over a shipment report. So I let you guys know how all the shipments of fish went, if there were any losses or problems, just kind of how the, the, the state of shipping is here at Dan's Fish. And then I'll get into some other stuff that's pretty cool, including our giveaway, which is for, is for a nice group of Cardinal Tetras. So uh, a fish that most people really like. Beautiful Cardinal Tetris. So Candy Overholes is letting me know the audio is good. Thank you, Candy. So with that, let's get into it. So the shipment report is pretty darn good. As far as I know, according to customer reports, we have had no losses um, since I last talked to you. However, when I did last talk to you, <clears throat> there were a couple of issues. Um, if you'll remember, one was we did lose two Pseudomugil signifers. I've been in contact with that customer and I'm happy to report that they haven't lost any sense. So uh, it was a few days after they received them to died. Um, I, he showed me a picture. They, they had something on them. It was like a white band or something. I don't know if it was columnaris or, or what, but um, it only affected two of them. So no idea, no rhyme or reason to it, it doesn't seem like. But the good news is the rest of that group has come through okay. So it's not like the systemic thing that I need to really shut down that entire tank or anything. And no one else reported, <clears throat> uh, none of the other folks that ordered that fish had reported any problems either. So that's good. The other thing though is I need to follow up about the Arisius matanensis, which is a wild-caught rice fish, uh, extremely rare. We want to get them going in the hobby. So I sent a nice, I hope, breeding group. I sexed them as well as I could out to a customer. And I reported last week that they had some kind of issue that it looked like the stress of shipping had caused something to go wrong with them. But I'm happy to report that they've all recovered. I've been in contact with that customer. They're all recovered. They're breeding for him. He already has eggs. So it was just a shipping stress thing, but it, it seems to be on the mend. So the good news is he's already getting eggs from that batch. And that's awesome because this is a very rare rice fish that you're just not going to ever see and we want to get them available in the hobby. There's so many cool rice fish out there and we only have access to a few species. So we're trying to get some more into the, into the USA. Maybe you folks in Europe are like, ah, Matanensis, no big deal. But us here, here in the United States, we really want that fish. So that's the shipment report. No losses since I last talked to you and uh, happy to report that the issues we were concerned about last week when I gave you the shipment report have all kind of taken care of themselves. So um, that's where we're at. Before I get to the giveaway, I do want to go over an import that's coming in. It should arrive on December 2nd. Um, <laughs> the the exporter wanted them to arrive next week and I was like, oh no, no, not Thanksgiving week. That will be a mess. But December 2nd, they'll arrive. Still might be a little, I mean, that's, that's the week of Black Friday. So, I mean, that could be, I mean, it's the week after Black Friday. So there'll be a lot of action going on 
uh, as far as mail order and all that stuff, it's going to be a very busy time for the carriers, but hopefully everything comes in on time and does well, but that's the best we could do. So December 2nd, and uh, it's from Indonesia. I, I gave up on Nigeria coming in a timely manner. Um, I couldn't wait forever. So let me share with you what we have coming in from Indonesia. So I'm just going to share the list really briefly and a couple highlights from it. We won't spend a ton of time on it, but here's what we're expecting. So I'll just kind of let you guys look at this for a second. Several angelfish, um, a tiger barb. You're like, why would you bring in tiger barbs? Well, these are wild caught tiger barbs. These are true wild location specific tiger barbs. So, um, they aren't the hybrids and mutants that we currently have in the hobby. So I, I think it'll be nice to bring in some good wild pure stock tiger barbs. So I'm going to do that. They'll cost more than your average tiger barb, but um, it should be cool. And here's some more stuff. Just again, just really briefly looking at it. And by the way, things might be spelled miscorrectly. They might be old scientific names and all that. This is just um, the list that was sent to me. I did not edit it or anything like that. Almost done. I think one more page down and we'll be done. There you go. So if you want a closer look on that, I'll let you just, uh, you know, pause it and and go back. But here's a couple highlights. Here are so full blue avatar angels, something like this, or well, this, yeah. Here's here's one that's more of a green color, but a really cool new angelfish, really colorful. Some of the Bulgarians, which are like a seal point, they have these dark edges to their fins. Um, I've always liked them, so I'm gonna bring some of them in. Then some severums, and I know severums can be fairly common, but these are the red shoulder severums. So they get this nice red here. And again, not the rarest fish in the world, but um, I've always really liked them. This is one I've been trying to get for a long time. It's a Nanakara. I've ordered several times. They have never arrived. Hopefully they will this time. To me, they remind me of almost like a baddest baddest in that kind of body shape and finage and stuff, but they're not. They're a small dwarf cichlid from uh, South America. This one I'm excited about. It's the albino thread fin. Um, and I've, I've had my eye on them for a long time. Erichthys heckli, but the albino form. I've, I've been wanting them for a long time, but the price has always made me scared, but I'm going to man up and bring some in and see how they do. And then someone was asking a couple live streams ago if I could get this fish, and I can. Stiffidon Annie is on order. Hopefully it arrives. There's, there's some a few different neat gobies coming in. Here's another one. Surface. Kind of a nice, nice red color on them. A licorice gourami, I, I only, there's several species available. I'm only bringing one in because these are larger, the filamentosus, and uh, I think maybe they'll be a little hardier. So I'm gonna, gonna go with them for now. 
Then some cool pseudomugils, which I really, really hope arrive because they're super hard to find. Um, this is the first one. For those that know they're pseudomugils. Then there's this one, reticulatus. And I don't know if it's this yellow form or this red form or anything else. I don't have a location for it yet. Um, and there's another one. It's Pseudomilgill species mimica. There's no description. It's just uh, it's just the collection point. We don't have a scientific name for it yet. And I can't find a picture of it because it's pretty new. And then a couple kerosens. And these are the last two and we'll move on. Some cool kerosens. These are the wadii. Wada-eye, I guess. And then the last one, and there's uh, some others I'm ordering, but the last one we're kind of highlighting is this filamentosus, which is a fairly new fish, I would say, and has these neat filaments on the fins. So for those that have been asking what's coming in, that is what is on order. I never know. I'm sh shutting all these windows so it doesn't take so much uh, computing power here. So let me shut all these. Um, all I can do is order and cross my fingers. I, I never know for sure what will arrive, but this supplier has been pretty darn good about their fill rates. And so that's what we're expecting to come. Um, usually there's a couple that don't show up, but most of them do. So if the past experiences with this um, supplier, anything to judge by, we should get most of those. Um, now let's see the, Oh, the giveaway. Let's go to that. So tonight's giveaway is provided by Skipper's Aquariums. So Thomas, thanks so much. Um, for those that don't know, Skipper's Aquariums, that's Thomas, is also a moderator here at uh, the Dan's Fish live chat. So you'll see him in the comments. And so thanks for all you do for helping make the uh, live stream work. And thanks for providing tonight's giveaway. So what we're doing is Skipper's Aquariums is going to um, provide six Cardinal Tetras and I'm going to provide six or so Cardinal Tetras as well. So you'll end up with a group of 12 to 15 Cardinal Tetras. So um, Thomas is providing the majority of it because he's paying for the first box, which is most of the shipping. I'm going to upsize it to a little larger box um, and, and throw in some. So you end up with a bigger school just because Cardinal Tetras in a big school not that 12 or 15 is a big school, but the more the merrier with them. They, they really do like to be in a big group. So, I mean, a hundred of them in a large tank is just so beautiful. But anyway, so thank you, Thomas, for uh, providing those and getting that going. And if you'd like to win some Cardinal Tetras, then in chat, hashtag go skipper go. All right. So Thomas's last name, Go Skipper Go, is the um, is the hashtag. So if you'd like to win some Cardinal Tetras, enter Go Skipper Go in the um, comments, and you'll be entered to win. And hopefully, that's a, a compact enough, easy enough hashtag that Candy won't get mad at me. <laughs> this is my goal in life: make Candy happy, or if not that, make it so Candy's not mad at me. That's I've, I've, I've figured out that that's the secret to happiness in life. If you can live your life so candy approves, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, all right. So with that, there is 
a small update that I want to give you on the progress with the warehouse build. And then I'm going to read you a little email I got that made my day from a customer. And then we'll get into your questions and comments. So that's kind of the rest of the docket for the evening. So the warehouse is, is well underway. Um, we're working hard to have all everything prepped for city approval um, by the first week of December. The goal is to have all of that finalized and be fully permitted and approved and everything ready so that it can be, the bids can be finalized in early winter so that when the, the thaw happens in March, April, or May, that we go ahead and start building. So, that, so that's where we're at. Um, I met with the engineer again yesterday and I'll meet with him again tomorrow just finalizing the things to make sure that we're getting the best, most efficient um, system. It's going to take a lot of energy to, to heat the water and pump the water and make sure everything's good and filtered and clean. And so it's really helped a ton to have an engineer, several engineers actually kind of help with this process. So we're, we're getting to the point where we feel like we're almost there. So that's good. Saturday, I'll be going out to look at a warehouse, um, just a temporary place so that I can start ordering equipment because a lot of this stuff has to be custom. The, the furnace we need is, is something that will be built for us. It's been engineered. The, um, the, heat exchanger for the water system is something that's been engineered for us. There's all these things, even just the um, heat retention ventilator. We're, we're using Gemco to, to get a proper one of those. And, and we can't use one of their standard ones because um, it's such a big facility. So they're working with us to create the proper HRV for the unit or for the building. And so all of this takes time. So there's a lead time on this stuff of two to four months. And I don't want to get in the position where next spring we've built the warehouse and it's all ready, but then we haven't ordered the equipment yet. And we have to wait another three, four months for the equipment to arrive so we can get it set up and get moved in. So um, I'm going to look at a warehouse this Saturday uh, with one of the local investors. He happens to have a few warehouses and hopefully it'll work that I can go ahead and start ordering all that stuff so that um, even though it has a long lead time, it can start arriving and we can just store it in that warehouse until the building's done and then we can just move it over and be good to go. So that's kind of where we're at right now on that. The last thing, oh, and we've had a couple um, investors join as well in the last couple of weeks. So I want to thank them. I'm I'm not saying who the investors are because that's their own private business. If anyone wants to share, that's fine. But once this is all closed and kind of all the investments done and and uh, all that, then I'll be contacting the investors. And if, if they're okay with it, then I'll be shouting them out and thanking everyone all at once. But I kind of want to wait till the whole process is done before I do that. And I want to respect privacy. There's some investors that might not want people to know their private financial information, such as where they invest their money. So the last thing before we get to your questions and comments is I want to read this. I got a cool email um, that made me think we're on the right track. 
So, hi Dan, I just wanted to let you know that my order arrived yesterday and everyone was in perfect condition as usual. Well done, sir. I have never ever lost a fish that I've ordered from you. Every fish that I've ever gotten from you is continuing to thrive to this day. I just wanted to th say thank you for going the extra mile to ensure that we as hobbyists are receiving the best quality fish when we order from you. It's such a great experience. Keep up the fantastic work. Have a fabulous evening. So thank you to that customer. I just wanted to let them know I got their email and it made my day. You, you know who you are. Thanks so much. But I was curious when I read that to see, well, they've never lost a fish from me. I wonder how many fish they've ordered. So I looked it up and uh, they've ordered seven times and they've ordered a total of 85 fish. So that's a pretty good record. And the reason it made my day is my entire mission is to create experiences like that. That's what we're trying to create a, a situation where people can order fish. They'll arrive in good shape and they'll thrive long-term. That's what we're going for. That's our, that's the entire reason dance fish exists because we need to make that happen in this industry because right now it doesn't in a lot of situations. So, um, I get emails like that frequently and I just wanted to share that because for me, besides just making me feel good because someone liked what I did, what it, what it does for me as a business owner is say, okay, here's our mission. Here's an instance where we fulfilled that mission. And that's awesome. This person's ordered 85 fish from us over the course of seven orders over the course of quite a while. You know, it wasn't all in one week spread out. And in all that time, they've never lost a fish. So that's pretty cool. Now, I know that doesn't always happen. I mean, there's, there's statistics, right? There's a curve. And um, no matter what we do, there's going to be issues occasionally. So for anyone who hasn't had that experience and has had a problem, I do apologize. We do do our very best. But um, I think almost always that's the customer experience. And Again, we get emails like that fairly frequently, and it's awesome because it just lets us know we're on track. It makes all the work worth it. So thanks to that customer for sending that. Thanks to all the other customers who send similar emails or, or just reports letting us know they arrived. Here's the temperature. They're all alive. Or they arrived. Here's the temperature. There's a few struggling or whatever the report is, an honest report. I mean, a lot of our customers interact with us and help us so that it, it's really helpful when people email and say, got the order. Here's the condition it was in. And here's the temperature. Because as the seasons change, it helps me have that feedback every week to know, okay, this size heat pack is working if it's going to this temperature. Or, oops, this one was a little cold this time. I guess I need to up the heat pack or put in two heat packs or a bigger heat pack, you know, whatever. So thank you for everyone that, that always provides that feedback. But anyway, that's, uh, that's where my mind's at. That's where the company's at. That's what's going on with me. Now let's get to you guys. What is going on with everyone else in this community. So I'm going to get to your questions and comments now after a sip of chai tea goodness. Oh, I think <laughs> everything's settled to the bottom. I've got to stir this. That was a little different. <laughs> it's just been sitting there and like all the stuff settled. That was strange. It's like, why does that taste so weird? There we go. Mm. Okay. 
let's get up here and start answering some questions and comments. So here we go. The first one I can see is from Skipper's Aquariums, who says, you're welcome. Thanks again for providing the giveaway. And thanks to the rest of my mods for everything you guys do too. I appreciate you showing up every week and making this live stream work. Without you, it'd be a big mess. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's hear. Now I'm scrolling through all the uh, Go Skipper Go comments to enter the giveaway. We're at 193 viewers. If you focus... <laughs> Of course, it just dropped to 190 because I said that. It never fails. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to like, share, subscribe, let other folks know what's happening. If you'd share this out, I think the Cardinal Tetras are something that a lot of people would would like. So it, this would be a good one, I think, to share out. So so Skipper's Aquariums uh, gets the most uh, bang for his buck, I suppose, for his support. All right. Punchy Paints throwing down a super chat for $9.99. A nice pile of fertilizer. Thank you so much, my, my aquarium plants. Thank you, Pam. Hope you're doing well. And Ozzy Ockschmidt with another pile of fertilizer. <laughs> 99 cents. <laughs> Thanks for dropping deuces, folks. Always appreciated. Never required. <laughs> but it makes the wife super happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny emoji to say that to say that on <laughs> poop makes the wife happy okay here we go Alicia AS I believe that somebody mentioned a Chinese hyphen goby last week turns out that one of my LFS has them in stock three to four inches $189 each yes um, I don't know if it was last week but yeah recently that kind of purple looking uh goby or gudgeon looking fish i still have not seen them for sale um maybe they're being sold on the list by a common name i was looking under the scientific name so i i don't have any idea what a industry standard common name would be but i am keeping an eye out for them i would like to get some but um if they are on my list, I don't know it because I don't know what they're calling them. So I guess I could email some pictures to my suppliers and be like, can you get this? But right now I'm focusing on the Indonesia order. But thanks for letting me know that someone's got them in. Um, 189 bucks each. Eh, no biggie. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot for a fish. And do they look, do they have that purple color or are they mostly kind of a brownish fish? One thing I'm wondering is, that nice purple color, is that only a spawning color? Is that something only males get? Steve Ehrlich and I were going on about this um, a few days ago, wondering what they actually look like. I tend to kind of trust aquarium glassers uh, pictures, and theirs are more of a brownish fish, but it does have a high fin and some red in that fin. It's still a cool looking fish, but I'm just curious about that, that nice purple color how how much is that a realistic thing we can expect? So what did they look like, Alicia? Orange cones. Any thoughts on the glowfish craze? Saw glowfish better two weeks ago. So glowfish definitely are not for me. But I don't think they hurt anything. I mean, I... I so my basic thing is, is this... 
as we develop new strains of fish, balloon fish, long fin fish, glow fish, whatever. My main thing is, is this making the life experience of the fish worse or better, or is it neutral? Does it not change it? So I do have issues with some things. There are certain types of, of betasplendens that have such long tails and such long finnage after, say, a year or so that they really can't even swim properly. And I'm not talking about a standard half moon or veil tail or something. I'm talking about something like a rose tail or something. Um, so that, it's not like I'm up in arms about it, but that is something where I'm like, hmm, things that make you go, hmm, is that something that we should be doing? Because by creating that fish, we're potentially making its life a lot worse than the normal beta, right? So is that a thing we should be doing? And that's kind of how I, I gauge whether I think some, something should be done in the hobby or the industry is or not. That's kind of how I ground my, I guess, ethics or morals, my, my view of that. In the case of glowfish or like certain, certain goldfish that can hardly survive, you almost have to put the food right in front of their f- face with your fingers because they, they're so, ugh, they can't swim. <laughs> Big old celestial eyes kind of bo- bother me because I'm like, oh, that's just an accident waiting to happen. Um, so, so stuff like that. Glowfish, I don't think, fall into that category. Yeah, they glow, but the fish swims normally. It has normal finnage and stuff like that. So I don't have anything against it, honestly. They're just not for me. They don't draw me. Um, They don't draw me in. But if they draw other folks in and get them excited about fish keeping, then I'm fine with it. But again, this isn't, it's not something I put a ton of thought into. Like are glowfish okay for the world? Let's let's compose a symposium of the best minds and really crack down on this issue. Like I haven't done anything like that. But my basic thing is, does it make the fish have a worse quality of life than it would otherwise have? No, I don't think so. So I'm okay with it. Audrey Sampson, I saw on your order form, you have shiner barbs coming. What are they? Okay, so shiner barbs, good question. Um, that's, I believe, let's look here. I believe what we're talking about there is they put their um, rainbow shiners in the barb category. Yeah. Shiner barbs are nootropis chromo, uh, that's spelled wrong, chrosomus or chromosis, whatever the um, species name is for the rainbow barb. So I'm sorry, rainbow shiner. So those are rainbow shiners that I ordered. They just happen to put shiners and all that kind of stuff in the section that they also put their barbs in. So that's what they call them. There's a little uh, lost in translation thing with that, with that listing for sure. Um, But yep, should be, should be rainbow shiners, which I'm very excited about. I love rainbow shiners. Lefty 3213A. All the new fish have settled in and are doing great. Awesome. Love watching the two-spot catfish getting along with their tank mates. Yeah. Um, Mistis bimaculatus, the two-spot catfish, or two-spot bagrid, sometimes it's called. Really cool fish. Doesn't get too big. Tops out at about three inches or so. And peaceful and has neat markings. So if you like catfish, try you some. I think I've got two left at dancefish.com that are available. They're almost out, though. But um, I like catfish. The only thing I have against them is oftentimes 
they grow so big that it's just not something I'm going to keep. But I like these guys because they they have all the catfish behavior. They cruise around. They're kind of neat looking and they don't get too big. So I'm glad you like them, Lefty. I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're doing well. Um, Skipper's Aquarium says, a question was asked earlier if you would ever order black Venezuela quarries. Um, if I saw them, if this supplier had them, I would have bought them. I would have brought them in. I am bringing in orange, I believe. Let's look here. Make sure they, I did order them. Let's make sure they made the list. Um, catfish. Okay, let's, let's do this. Um, Venice. There they are. Yeah. So we are getting some orange Venezuelans in, but they didn't have any blacks available. They also didn't have any Equus. I, I ordered 200 Equus. And so what happens is you put in your order, they get your order, and then they respond with what they plan to send you. And that's what I'm showing you now. That's what they plan to send me. They don't have any more Equus and they don't have any more Shodena puffers at this time. The breeder's just, just out. So, um, and they don't have any back, black Venezuelans either. So I couldn't get any. I did look at those though. I know some folks are looking for those. Kayler asks, is Lumpy Dog still with us? Lumpy Dog kind of comes and goes in seasons. It's like sometimes Lumpy Dog will come and he'll be around for, you know, a few months and then he goes and then he, because it's the end of Lumpy Dog season. And then unexpectedly Lumpy Dog season will begin again. So um, I think he is. I just don't know when. So I don't have a great answer to that, Kaylor's Aquatics. Punchy Binks, if you want to ask Dan a question, please type, yep, please type add Dan's fish so it's easier for him to see. If you do that, it'll make these orange boxes for me. And that's what I look for as I go around the chat. Thanks for reminding folks of that. Golden Nugget Pleco Tetra says, any red ram's horn snails? Um, I don't I don't deal with any snails right now. My water here is very soft. And it tends to not be great for snail shells. So I just, I mean, I have like little, you call them pest snails, right? Like pond snails and stuff, but um, nothing I sell. All the shells are like pop, pockmarked and stuff. And I do have some ram's horns, but nothing I would be comfortable selling. They're basically puffer food for me. I, I, I have a tank where I raise a ton of them and I use them for, for puffer food. And then in the other aquarium, they're just kind of scavengers, part of the, uh, part of the ecosystem, I suppose. Karen K, do you think you will ever get more of the penguin tetra in? They would look cool in my 55. would like to be, would they be okay with garamis and abetta? So I do have two penguin tetras. Did I even list them? Let's see here. I don't know if I listed them for sale because I might not have thought it was worth it. Let's see here. Oh, I did. So I do have two penguin tetras available right now at dancefish.com. Uh, they came in as contaminants. So I ordered, I don't remember what, something else. And there was a couple penguin tetras in there and they've grown big and fat and sassy here. They're really big. So if you want a couple, there are two available. Um, would they be okay with garamis and abetta? There's so many kinds of garamis. I'm not quite sure which one you're talking about. So some garamis they'd be fine with. Um, most garamis they'd be fine with. I wouldn't put them in with licorice garamis or with like some of the big giant species of garamis. But if you're talking about like a, a dwarf garami or honey garami or um, 
even like your, your gold garamis, blue garamis, three spot garamis, stuff like that. I think they would be okay, especially since they're pretty good sized. And the betta, I think so. Um, if it's a long finned variety of betta, you do have to always watch out that nothing is nipping the betta's fins because those long flowing fins are like a, a fish lure in a stream, right? They just move around and wiggle in an enticing way and they attract fish to nibble at them. Some tetras will absolutely shred a betta's fins. Some tetras won't. Often it just depends on the setup itself. So I've had neon tetras that would absolutely shred a betta to pieces, at least the fins. And then I've had other neon tetras and other setups where the betta was just fine. So I would say if you're going to do anything that could be nippy and with a long finned uh, variety of betta, that you have a plan B available just in case it doesn't work out. But my, but I would definitely try it. That's something where I, I think about grammies and a betta with penguin tetras. I'm like, yeah, it's worth a shot. Just have a have a plan B. Scott Backer, good to see you. Hope you're doing well. John's Fish Room. Hey, I have lost fish from you. I've had some jump and I'm waiting for more. Oh, customer service is 100%. Thanks again. Speaking of fish, when is your next day you're sending out fish? So John has lost fish from me, but it's because they jumped. Well, at least I, I, I get, I see what you did there. Well, I'm sorry you lost them. I'm glad it's not something I did. Um, so anyone that ordered yesterday or today, I will be emailing you later tonight with the shipping plan and it will be on Monday of next week is the next shipping day. So I'm shifting things around a little bit just because the holiday season has kind of started. So instead of shipping Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, I've started shipping Mondays and Wednesdays. And the reason is, is if something sent Wednesday and there is a delay because of the holidays, then it will arrive Friday instead of Thursday usually. So what happens if I send Thursday for Friday delivery during the holidays, there's a higher likelihood that those could be delayed. And if they are, and they're not delivered on Friday, they sit at the UPS warehouse over the entire weekend and are not attempted to deliver again until Monday. So I don't want that. So I haven't had a lot of issues over this entire year. I think the number is about 10 boxes that have been delayed for the entire year of 2020. So it's been pretty good, both with FedEx and with UPS. Um, but I know going into the holiday season, it's more likely that we'll get some delays. So I'm just trying to hedge against that. So I'll send Wednesday for Thursday delivery, knowing that if they for some reason are delayed and don't arrive Thursday, they still have another shot to be delayed um, to be delivered Friday and are less likely to sit in a warehouse all weekend. So that's why I'm doing that. And once again, if you ordered from me yesterday or today, um, then you'll be getting the, uh, the shipping plan in an email uh, after the live stream tonight. Is it Ali or Ale? Ali? I'm going to go with Ale. Ale Wenzel. How long do you quarantine the fish before sale? Would I need to quarantine them when they arrive? So I quarantine fish for a minimum of two weeks before I send them out. Um, sometimes it's a lot longer. There are fish that come in in bad shape or are a sensitive species or um, something like that. And, or just take longer before... After a while, you kind of get to know fish. You kind of get a sense looking at a tank of fish 
of if they've actually settled in and are, are robust or if they're still a little shaky from shipment. Some of them are never shaky. Some of them are very shaky. It goes, some of them hardly notice they're being shipped, it seems like, and others arrive dead. You've got that whole spectrum, right? So I hold them as long as I need to, to be confident that they'll get to you. Sometimes, usually that's two weeks. Sometimes it's a month. It's, there's been cases where I haven't sold fish for five, six months just because it took that long before I felt like they were, they would do well, that I, I was confident that you'd have a, a good experience buying them from me. So there is a little bit of fluctuation there, but minimum of two weeks. And do you need to quarantine them? I would, I know a lot of folks don't. And I know a lot of folks just aren't set up to quarantine, but it's always better to, if you can do it. Um, even if something looks good when I send it to you or when you go pick it up from the pet store or whatever, a fish can look good and have been good for months. And then it goes through shipping or through a transition and stuff that is latent in the fish can suddenly manifest because of the stress of, of that move or that shipping process or whatever. Doesn't happen a lot in my experience, but it definitely has happened where um, I've had fish that have been rock solid for me for a long time, sold them to lots of people, no problems, sell them to someone else, and they arrive shaky for some reason. Um, so I would always quarantine. Now, quarantine does not imply that you're medicating. Quarantines mean means that you're separating. So if you get a new fish, you just keep it apart from your current fish for a couple weeks, month, whatever you want to do and observe. And if there's no problems, then you know it's probably safe to put them in with your current fish. It's to protect your current fish from being introduced to a, a pathogen or something that could just wipe them out. So that's why we quarantine. Quarantine does not mean that when you get the new fish in, you have to medicate them and all that. That's up to you how you want to manage that. So I hope that answers your question. Green Grove Aquatics, is there a salt shortage? I went to three fish stores today, two mom and pop, one chain. Only salt available is a small container, no bulk sizes. Well, Home Depot has a lot of salt. So I, I don't know. I don't think there is. Um, I don't buy salt from pet stores because it's very expensive. I buy big old 40 pound bags from big box hardware stores like Home Depot or Ace or whatever. So, um, nope, I don't think there's a, a salt shortage. It could be that API or whatever brand of salt um, that your stores are using is sourced from, you know, a country right now that shut down or is just having slow production due to COVID or whatever. Um, that is the story for 2020 for sure. But in general, I've been able to get salt just fine. I've got about 400 pounds of salt right now sitting, sitting around. James Andy, are checkerboard cichlids, dichrosis filamentosis, still just wild caught? Um, I think in general they are. If you get them from a, a supplier in like the Czech Republic, then they're probably captive bred. But as far as I know, almost all of the checkerboard cichlids are wild caught and often come in as contaminants. I mean, you can't order them specifically, but often they just show up um, in bags of other stuff. 
but I don't know of any place that's breeding them in bulk, although I wouldn't be surprised if the Czech Republic was. Czech Republic is amazing. They just, they have such great water for those soft water kind of Amazon type. Uh, well, the Amazon River itself isn't necessarily soft, but then that region, um, great water for it. And they got very inventive because during communism and stuff, um, during the whole Cold War, they, the country was like sealed off right behind the iron curtain. And so in order to have a fish hobby, they got very good at breeding fish because they couldn't import them easily at all. There was hardly any access to, to fish from outside their country. So they got very good at breeding fish and they developed some amazing strains of stuff. I think the orange von Rio Tetra was developed there. There's lots of stuff that originated in the Czech Republic just because, um, they couldn't get it from anywhere else. So they worked with what they had. So, um, I don't know. I think it's a cool story. I, I think it's awesome what they did in with what they had access to. New Mexico Aquatics, please discuss Funnel of Panchak's gardenerized feeding habits. Do they prefer to eat from the surface or the water column? Um, I, in my experience, they'll eat from anywhere. The surface, water column, they'll eat food off the bottom. A lot of fish like that, it kind of depends on how the tank is set up. If it's set up in a certain way, they'll hang mostly at the top. Another setup, they'll hang mostly at the bottom. Another setup, they'll be more mid-water. But Funnel of Panchex Gardener is one that generally uses all the water column, top, bottom, and middle, and it'll feed anywhere there. Um, hopefully yours are feeding well for you, but in my experience, they'll eat pellets, they'll eat flakes, they'll eat frozen brine, frozen bloodworms, live food, you name it, they'll eat it. And they'll learn to eat rapashi and algae wafers and stuff uh, pretty quickly too. So hopefully yours are eating well from you, for you. But yeah, they'll eat anywhere. They're not picky. Isaac Cornstubble, I might have a problem. I think I have ick in my 55-gallon community tank. Small white particles appeared on the heads of two of my black angelfish. They aren't dug into the skin and keep disappear. Okay, so Isaac, I'm not quite sure what the last few words of the sentence um, are saying, but I get the gist of it. So first, I'm sorry that you're seeing white spots on your fish. Second, I kind of hope it is ick because of all the diseases that cause white spots, ick is probably the easiest one to treat. So if you do have a white spot issue going on, I do hope it's ick. Um, in order to treat that, there's great medicines that work very well and don't damage your biofilter or your plants or your snails or shrimp or any of that. Um, they are Mardell Quick Cure and Hikari Ickex or any of the other ones that have a formalin and malachite green base to them. If those are the active ingredients, it's probably going to work just fine against ick. The brands I'm familiar with and have used for years, though, are Hikari Ickex and uh, Mardell slash Fritz Quick Cure. I would just use them as per the instructions on the bottle. And in my experience, especially if you're catching it early where there's just a couple little spots on them and they aren't completely covered yet, I think you're going to be clear of that disease within say 10 days to two weeks of treatment. So I would keep the treatment up for a while, but um, in my experience, I don't need to heat the tank. I don't need to dump a bunch of salt in or do any of that stuff, especially if I catch it early. I just use this, one of those two medicines as per the instructions and uh, 
that's just very good at treating egg. So that's what I would do. Bob Purcell, what do you recommend for quarantine? How long and do you recommend any preventative medications? It totally depends on, on who you are and what you're doing. If you're a hobbyist and you have a collection of fish that you're trying to protect from new pathogens, then when you get new fish in, you should keep them separate, separate, right? You should separate them. So quarantine them. Totally up to you on whether you prophylactically treat them or just observe. If you just observe them and you've done that for a long time with several batches of fish and that works for you, great. If you're like, nope, fish come in and they tend to have this problem every time they come in, maybe your water has, it's the chemistry promotes a certain disease or something like that, um, that, that manifests constantly for you, then I would prophylactically treat with that. So it, it's it kind of every situation is a little bit different. I would always recommend separating new fish from your current collection for at least two weeks. A month is great. Three months is fantastic, right? I mean, you could do it for years, but, you know, a couple of weeks at least, because um, that really cuts the odds that you're going to have a problem. Usually when new fish come in, if they have an issue, it's usually, not always, but usually going to manifest within the first couple of weeks. And if it hasn't and they're doing great and they're eating and they seem settled in and, and out and about and stuff, then yeah, they're settled. Go ahead and move them to your, your current collection. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, for someone like me who imports fish regularly, then I prophylactically treat because I know what they've been through to get to me. And I, I have enough experience to know what happens if I don't do that. And it can be really bad. So, but I'm shipping lots of fish in, in mass and they haven't been able to settle at a pet store or, or somewhere else for a while and get, get used to their new environment before I buy them. So totally depends. I would always have in your arsenal, something to treat ick, um, a hospital tank where if there is an issue, you can treat for gram-negative bacteria. My go-tos for that are canamycin and nitrofurazone used together, but um, there's, there's other medicines that could work too, but those are the two that tend to work best for me. And then if you're bringing in a species that is prone to velvet, bettas, killifish, some others, um, then, I, then I would have some kind of chelated copper uh, medicine. Uh, Mardell Fritz makes something called Copper Safe, which has been pretty effective for me. But there's other ones. Just make sure it's chelated. And I think almost all of them that are sold as fish medicine these days are chelated. So I think that's the norm. So that's my thoughts on that. And then as far as using them, you can wait. And if there's an issue, use them. Or if you have an issue constantly, then prophylactically treat for that thing. I think that's uh, that's how I would approach it. If I was a hobbyist buying fish. Okay. Let's see here. Alicia and AS, more of a brown fish. Okay, so we're talking about this new um, gudgeon or goby that's been kind of appearing. It looks kind of like a purple sailfin. Uh, Gara is kind of what it looks like. I forget the scientific name now, or I would look it up. Very high do dorsal fin. Mouse shape reminded me of that found on the panda Gara. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the ones you saw are more of a brown than a purple. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, you know, after they settle in and everything, what they would be looking like. Dolly Vigil. There's a blast from the past. Dolly, good to have you here. I missed sitting down and listening to you ramble about interesting things. Thank you. Hey, <laughs> what can I say? I'm a rambling man. See, I think chat might have jumped on me. Hang on. I want to make sure I didn't leave anyone out in the cold because of a jump here. Okay, I think I think we're good. Okay, if it did, if if I missed your question or comment, if if I passed it accidentally, if you would post it down below, I didn't mean to, but chat jumps on me frequently, and then I can't, then I can't see. Oh, it just did it now. Chattanooga Ed is throwing down five dollars. I'm a proud Chech American. Well, you've got fish breeding in your blood, then, man. Yeah. The Czech Republic knows how to breed fish for sure. Ed, hope you're doing well. Good to see you. Good to see you. Okay, hang on. I'm just scrolling up so I can find uh, where we're at here. I'm getting there. Oh, I was way behind. Okay, so I'm sure this cut some of you off when it jumped. The first one I can see is right here. It's Victoria Artis. So I'm going to start with that one. I've never been interested in glowfish, but I saw a video of them in an outdoor pond at night with the glow light, and it was super cool. Never thought of them out in the dark with a top view. Yeah, I think that would be a cool sight, right? That'd be something to see. Like, I get it. I mean... I get why people would be attracted to a bright, shining, colorful fish. I mean, I get it. Pika63, very happy with the fish I bought from you. I'm glad to hear it, and I hope you continue to be. And if you ever have a problem, just email me, dan at dansfish.com. I will take care of you. And if, if anyone's slipped through the cracks, like I forgot to follow up after you told me a fish was struggling or anything like that, if that ever happens, please send me an email. It's never on purpose. Epic Aquariums, how much would you charge a store for assorted peacock cichlids? Oh, let's hear. How much would you charge a store? Like if I was selling peacocks to a store, um, I can't really answer that. There's so many variables. It depends on your local market. What do they sell for in your area if you're trying to sell to a pet store? Um, it depends how big they are, how well colored they are, the quality, the variety, all that stuff. So there's lots of variables there. But um, working with a pet store is about relationships. So if if you have a story, just if you have to ask me that question, it makes me think you need to develop your relationship with the store more first. So it's about knowing what they need and providing what they need. And if you just walk in off the street with a bag of peacock cichlids, say, I want to sell you these, they're probably going to be taken aback a bit. They don't know you. They don't know where the fish come from. They might not have a big market for peacock cichlids, all that. Um, so what I would encourage you to do is create a relationship with the store. Um, there's lots of creative ways to do that. There's been a million videos made about that out there in YouTube land, uh, breeding for profit and such. But anyway, the, the key is create that relationship and then they'll tell you. Once you have the relationship, it's not awkward. You don't have to guess. You can be open and honest and say, hey, we know each other. Um, you know I breed fish. I've, here's some. Give them a whirl. If they do well for you, um, here's what I would like for them. 
and you start there is a good spot maybe. So it's hard to, it's hard to say if what I will say is you're probably not going to get as much as you want because they have to make a markup to make their margin so they can stay profitable. And if the price is really important to you, then you might want to think about selling online direct to the consumer because then you set the price you want to sell them for to the consumer as opposed to trying to finagle through a store. So those are my thoughts. There's a lot of variables with that though. Preston John, is there a market for dollar fish? For high dollar fish, I think. The most we've paid for freshwater fish is 1200 bucks for the Tetradon. Um, I'm gonna butcher the species name, this puffer's name, Pustulatus, and 650 each for the Duboise to get to ordering. So get to ordering more puffers. Gotcha. Oh, there is a market. He's not asking if there's a market. He's saying there is a market. Yes. Yeah, I, there sure is. I, I agree with you. And on my end, I'd much rather sell one fish for $650 than have to sell a hundred fish to get that much in revenue. Right. So I totally get it. And again, when the warehouse is up and running, then I'll be able to take some more risks and, and do some more of that. Um, but I hear you for sure. Scott Backer, my dance fish shopping list keeps growing. Well, <laughs> what can I say? I'm a pain in the wallet. <laughs> Peep Sloshy, if you get the Stifidon Annie in, how much do you think they'll run for? I don't know. Um, I never price fish until they've been through quarantine. So, I'm not willing to, to discuss that yet. Um, I have to wait till they come in. Then I can gauge what they actually cost. Because here's another thing. When you order fish, when you import fish, you have the price list. You order it. That, that list is more of a guideline. <laughs> it's like Jack Sparrow in, in Pirates of the Caribbean. The rules are more like guidelines, right? Um, it's like this is an idea of how much it costs in relation to, you, to the other things on this list. But when you order it, they might send you fish that are smaller than what they had on the list at the time they sent it. So they're less or that are bigger. So there's more or there's been a change in demand. So there's more. So I don't actually know what the fish cost. This is a weird industry. I know anyone in business right now listening to this is going, what? I get it. How do you control your markup? How do you control your margins if you don't even know your costs? But that's the reality of the industry. So what I do is I wait till I know the actual costs and I don't know that till they arrive until they're through quarantine. Let's say a fish arrives and it costs me, I don't know, let's say a dollar for just easy math, right? And let's say that for some reason they have an issue that requires a very expensive medicine and two months to cure. So now I've got this fish I've had to put in two months of work and all the money for the medicine and stuff. So when I go to sell that fish, the actual cost is going to be quite a bit higher than if they arrived and they're in great shape and I can just sell them after a couple of weeks of quarantine. So there's all these variables that I don't know until they've been through the process. Now, there are certain things that if I get in and they take a bunch of TLC and stuff and the actual cost is really high, I still can't sell them for high enough to make much on them because the market has them at a certain rate. Let's say, let's say I was trying to sell a neon Tetra for 15 bucks just because 
for some reason, it took a bunch of work and time and medicine to get a certain batch healthy and ready to sell. Well, that's not going to work. No one's going to pay 15 bucks for Neon Tetra because they can get them for 99 cents a bunch of other places. So there are issues where the industry affects that. But if I'm bringing in a fish that, let's say some of these wild rice fish, the Arisius matinensis, I've had some of those for three, four months trying to make sure they were healthy and going to do well before I sold them. And that's a fish you can't get anywhere else. So the price of all that work that it took to kind of clean them up and make sure they were okay and things is reflected in the sell price just because it has to be or I'll I'll go out of business. So it's a funny market. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of real time calculations you have to do when you're selling fish. And so I, I can't, I literally can't tell you how much they'll cost because I don't know yet because I don't know what the real cost to me is. Switch to live chat says James Handy. I appreciate the uh, reminder, but I am in live chat. So this is my chat. It's live chat here. I do not know why what you're seeing is top chat. I don't know what it is with YouTube that makes it so that that happens. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Ozzy Schmidt. What can we say? Lumpy Dog is a smooth guy. He certainly is. He's like a wizard. He appears when he wants to. Epic Aquariums, how much would you charge a store? Oh, I already got that one. Where are we at? Almost eight o'clock. Sam Darling, any recommendations for a good place to find Neocaridina shrimp? Can't find any in my area, so I'm looking around online. I don't really know, um, Sam. And and the reason is I don't have a lot of experience with uh, caridina and neocaridina shrimp. So it's not that there aren't good ones out there. It's just that I'm trying to make sure that my wig here is on par. But I just don't have a lot of experience with them. So what I would encourage you to do is check out LR Bretts, um, check out Flip Aquatics, and maybe talk to customers who have ordered from them. I don't have any direct experience with them. So... I'm not a good person to direct you. Well, there's lots of folks in here that have bought shrimp. Um, Folks in here that have bought shrimp, could you tell us who you find to be a good shrimp supplier so we can help Sam out, even though I don't know? There's lots of folks in here that will. Orange Cone says, toss in some cuddle bone for snail shell health. Absolutely. Yep. I know that trick. My issue is they get a 40% water change every day. And so if I put in calcium, it's just stripped out of the water at the next water change. So with a flow through system like I use, it's hard to get calcium built up in the water column. Even if I use crushed coral or cuddle bone or anything, the best thing I've found for my water in my situation where it's like a flow through system, almost 40% change every day is to just feed foods that are high in calcium. That's what I found to be the best. But even that's a bit of a struggle. The good news is in the warehouse, I'll have um, water with a higher calcium content. I'll have, I'll have harder water, so I'll be able to do snails if I, if I want to. I don't know if I want to. Um, let's see here. Next one. Candy overholes is a beast, says Ozzy. I agree. Absolutely. Alicia and AS, this fish is not Nigerian, but if you ever see them on West Africa list, I have been looking for them for years. A tilapia species, a smaller species that Aquarium Glasser had 10 years ago. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, 
That's quite a mission you've given me. Find a fish that, hang on, let's look it up. That Aquarium Glasser once had 10 years ago. Woo! Let's look this up. Ruwetti, I believe, is the tilapia species. There you go. Tilapia Ruwetti. Yeah, I've never seen this one. Well, now that you've put the bug in my head, if I see it, it'll probably ping something there and I'll look into it more. Orange Coons, I almost lost a hatchet fish when feeding the tank scuds. He was so eager, he jumped into the net. Scuds were in. Yes, I've had that experience with... Let me fix the camera here real quick. I feel like my head is so low in the frame. Hello, folks. <laughs> yes, I've, I've seen that with hatchet fish. Um, they'll jump for food, not just scuds. I'll like put flake food up and drop it in a little bit. They'll jump for that too. They're very eager feeders. And I have the cutest little hatchet fish right now. They came in at like a quarter of an inch. They are so itsy bitsy and so cute. And I'm happy to say they're doing well. So pretty soon here, I'll list them. I was worried when I got them. Cause I was like, I ordered hatchet fish. I expected, you know, hatchet fish. Nope. Tiny. Lifted up the bag. What are the what? <laughs> but they're settled in. They're eating well. They're they're doing fine. So I think I will list them. Bunny Viper at oh go skipper go. Yep. Hi Dan. Do you carry roseline sharks? And can you suggest peaceful tank mates for them? I welcome your thoughts. I appreciate you, Dan. Thanks so very much from Ivy. Hey, you're welcome, Ivy. Um. So I do have them on order. They should arrive December 2nd. I don't have any for sale right now. The only ones I have in the fish room right now are the ones behind me, the Golden Rose Lines and Fu Manchu there somewhere. Um, but they should come December 2nd, so hopefully they do well. If they, if they arrive and if they do well, then I should have some for sale around mid-December. They go well with almost anything as far as peaceful tank mates. Roseline barbs are a tough fish. They'll like run the tank. So you don't have to worry so much about are fish going to pick on the roseline barbs as you do are the roseline barbs going to harass the other fish. And it's not that they're mean. It's that they're very active and very inquisitive. And they'll be up in other fish's faces. At feeding time, they're like little rockets. Torpedo barb is a good name for them. They're like torpedoes. They vroom, vroom, vroom. Put in the food and it's just torpedo barbs and then the food's gone, right? So if you have fish in there that are slow to food, that can be an issue, especially if they're in with a big group of torpedo barbs and, and those just swarm the food. A roseline. So when I say torpedo barb, roseline sharks, denison barb, torpedo barb, there's many names for that fish, but I'm talking about the fish you asked about. So... What I would actually say with with roseline sharks is if you want to get other fish in there that are slower to the food like these. So I have electric blue acara in here, right? Not real quick to the food, but um, they know where the food is. They were like they know that when the lid is lifted, food comes in. So they're they're savvy to that so they can compete. What I would say is get any fish like that in the tank first before you got roseline sharks. Once they learn the tank and they know where the food is and what you lifting the lid means and all that, then add your torpedo barbs. Otherwise, what can happen is if you put in a bunch of torpedo barbs, roseline sharks, whatever we're calling them, Sahayadra denisoni. <laughs> um, 
That's the scientific name. Let's stick with that since that fish has so many names. If you put a bunch of those in, and then you put in a fish like that's slower to the food, you could have an issue with those slower to the food fish getting out competed. So that's what I would say about that. Um, in general, torpedo barbs can hold their own. I mean, don't put them in with an Oscar with a big mouth that'll slurp them up, of course. But if you're using common sense, they'll be fine with pretty much anything. Bika 63, can you explain latent? Latent? Oh, so the way I was talking about latent is like if a fish has, let's talk about you. Let's say you have a virus. Um, let's say it's a cold a cold virus, a virus that causes a common cold. Let's say you have that, but you're healthy and you're happy. And so you don't express any symptoms. You have the virus in your system, but it's not making you sick. But let's say you then have to go um, on a plane and there's a layover and your flight is, I don't know, you have to wait on the tarmac for eight hours and it's 3 a.m. and you finally take off and you get wherever you're going and you're in a big crowd of people and it's very stressful, like then that cold virus within you will manifest as an illness. So when I say latent, I mean the virus you have in you when it's not causing you an illness, when it's not making you sick is like a latent sickness. It's something that you have, but it's latent. It's not active. But if you go through a very stressful situation and your immune system gets compromised, then it no longer is latent. It becomes active and you get ill. So that's what I mean by latent. Fish are the same way. Um, it's very unlikely that you go to a pet store and you get a fish and the pet store gives you ick. I think almost every fish has ick. It's just their immune system is strong. Almost every aquarium has it. It's just the, the fish's immune systems are strong enough to fight it off. So almost every freshwater fish I'm aware of, I think, probably has a latent ick infection. It's there, but it's not causing a sickness. But if you take that fish and you put it in a bag and it gets stressed enough or its immune system is compromised for some reason and then you go to ship it, then that ick can manifest um, due to the stress of shipping. Or if you go to the pet store, due to the stress of just going to a new environment in your tank, things like that. So that's what I mean by a latent illness. And I'm not sure if that's the correct word. I'm not, you know, a veterinarian or anything like that. But um, there's latent illnesses, which you have that are not active. And then there's active illnesses that, which make you sick, manifest as sickness. Zephophorus says, I've been looking for red orichthys from Myanmar for like Myanmar for like two years. Do you ever see them on an import list? No. If I did, I would buy them in a heartbeat. I love the orichthys genus. So I'm with you. I've been looking too. Um, you know, that is one that I do have a supplier that um, has access to a lot of the Myanmar stuff. Myanmar. I have trouble seeing that. Burma. Um, it might be worth reaching out to him. It's probably not going to happen until after the warehouse is done, just because projects that are like extra, I, I just don't have the bandwidth mentally to handle right now. But um, any Orichthys I see, I get. I love that genus. 
Erie Lacardus. Lacardus. What are you drinking? Coffee or cocoa? So this is like a chai tea. So what I do is I take um, Celestial Seasonings Bengal Spice Tea. I just get it at Walmart, right? And I put three packs in here with hot water. And then I put in one packet of Swiss Miss hot cocoa and a little milk. And so that's, I mean, I'm calling it a chai tea. It's not exactly, but it makes a delicious, like, spicy chocolatey tea or spicy hot chocolate. There's not much hot chocolate in it, really, but enough to kind of flavor the tea a little bit. And I don't always do that. Often I'll just use the tea without the chocolate or the milk or whatever. But tonight I was like, ah, I want some chocolate in there. John's Fish Room. Ever see electric blue pistos on the list? Um, maybe. I, I don't know. Are you talking about a Borelli? Or are you talking about an electric blue ram? Or are you talking about there's I think I need more than just electric blue pisto. Um, are you talking about steel blue pisto? There's lots of fish that could go under that common name. So if you could find the scientific name or a, a more definitive name than electric blue pisto, that would help me tell you if it's something I can get. Alrighty. Cool fish. I don't know what you're doing, but it looks like the mods are having to uh, get all over you. So cool fish. We have a rule here. We don't annoy our mods. We don't do things that make their life hard. So I'm not sure what you did, but um, anyone that makes the mods life hard here just gets kicked out. We don't have time for that. The mods are volunteering their time to make this stream run smoothly. This needs to be fun for them. This needs to be something they enjoy doing, right? They're doing it for free. So if you make it hard on them, you're just gone. It's just that simple. So be nice to the mods, folks. Again, cool goldfish, I don't know what happened. Maybe you just had an error or something. But um, as a general rule, don't mess with the mods because that's a quick way to get booted out. Tracy Walker, I have 70 plus neon tetras in a 40-gallon hospital tank with meds, new fish. Cool. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's the way to do it. Not necessarily meds, but having a place to keep them so you don't infect your current collection. And... Again, I know a lot of people don't quarantine or have certain suppliers they trust and don't quarantine. But I have to tell you, it always makes the it always makes me so nervous. Like the, the hackles on the back of my neck stick up when people tell me, I love your fish. You're the only place I buy fish and don't worry about quarantining them. And I, I get it because I we do work very hard here to get you healthy fish. So I'm glad that your experience with us is good enough that you're confident without quarantining them but it makes me really nervous because i know it's just a mathematic certainty it's just statistics that no matter how well we try to do things on our end at some point something will slip through and that we won't know is sick and if you put it in your tank it could wipe out your entire tank i have had this happen to me a couple times over the years not really often but a couple times where I put fish in a tank, sometimes even after they were quarantined, that I added them to my collection and the entire tank was wiped out. Sometimes in a matter of a few days, it can happen. So it makes me happy to hear when people are quarantining. There's, I'm not, I don't ever shame people that don't. And I'm flattered when people say, I love your fish. I don't even worry about quarantining them. It's flattering, but it's also a mathematical certainty that one day, 
something will go wrong and I will feel horrible. So if you can quarantine, please do. It just makes everything better for everybody. B-Start, use test strips, Tetrakind. I tested my water out of the tap. It does have chlorine and chloramine, but did not show up on the strips. I use the chlorinator. Any suggestions to check the water? Um, I would say that if your test strips aren't registering it, but you know you have it, a couple of things could be happening. One is they could be old or compromised test strips. Um, if they've been open for a while, they, they have a shelf life. They don't last forever. So it could be worth getting, an, I mean, if they're not new, well, even if you got them new, if they were in a warehouse somewhere and they got opened or something, they could still have an issue. It, it might be worth getting some new ones and seeing if, if those work for you. Chloramine, I don't think, does register on the Tetra test strip. I could be wrong. I know chlorine does. I'm not sure if chloramine does. If you get some new ones and they still don't work, then you might need to get a dedicated chlorine or chloramine test strip from like Hanna Instruments or another kind of chemical testing supply company because they'll have instruments that will definitely detect it um, even if it's not in high concentrations. So that's what I would say about that. And I'm not recommending Hanna Instruments. It's just the name that popped in my head. There's lots of different companies that provide all kinds of uh, testing equipment for all kinds of parameters, pH, hardness, chloramine, chloramine, ammonia, nitrite, anything you could imagine. There's probably oxygen demand, um, TSS, um, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Wow, I'm so far behind in chat. <laughs> well, that's just the way we roll here. So it is what it is. It jumped again, but I can see the first one I can see is Green Grove Aquatics. It says, how much business do you have to do before you have to hire someone for customer service? Thanks for the salt tip. Headed to Home Depot on Friday. So Green Grove Aquatics, um, we're there now. I'm currently at the point where I pretty, I'm at that tipping point to where I have all the business I can handle. Now, that's not me saying don't order. It is, I rely on it. So please don't do me a favor by being like, oh, he's so busy, I'll be nice to not order from him. <laughs> don't do that. Like order if you want to order. But I am at that tipping point. I have actually put out an advertisement locally looking for help. Um, I didn't really find anyone to hire though. So I'm pretty picky about hiring. The last thing I want is to hire someone um, that I'm not confident will will be in line with the values and mission of the company and um, they won't push the company forward. So hiring is something I take pretty darn seriously because the culture of the company, the future of the company kind of depends on it, right? So all the work to get where we're at as far as reputation, as far as um, good customer experience, healthy fish, all that stuff has taken a lot of work and a lot of time to establish. And we have a ways to go with that still. We need to reach more people with that. So we have to make sure we're going in that direction with our hires. So I'm at that tipping point. I do want to hire some people. Um, haven't found the person yet. And I think what it's going to end up being is that as soon as the warehouse is, is pretty much built and ready to load in, 
that's when kind of hiring will go active. But but I am I am kind of looking. I've reached out to some people that I think might be a good fit to see if they're interested. I am kind of working that way so that by the time we're ready for everyone, um, I would imagine the warehouse will be kind of up and, and ready for that uh, by summer of next year. I say maybe around June or so of 2021. So I am kind of putting some feelers out to some folks so that when that happens, we'll for sure need some folks to help us out because there's no way I can manage the health of fish myself in 508 aquariums and do all the proper procedures for shipping prep and shipping and take care of the customers um, to the quality we need to. There's just no way I can do it myself. So um, uh, my brother Jonathan will be joining me, which is awesome because he's exactly the right kind of person. I'm really lucky. Like that guy brings a lot to the table. Um, so that for sure. And I am reaching out to some other folks and eventually, eventually I'll, I'll get a little more active on that and start seeking people in earnest, but I don't think I'll be hiring anyone until we scale up into the warehouse. Karen K pain in the wallet. Yeah. I just saw the yellow tetras on your site. Yellow Congo tetras, pretty cool fish. Rockford Fishkeeping, can the reality of the business change the reality of the business then? Oh, I'm sure that comment is pithy and witty and made a ton of sense when it was listed an hour ago, but it's been so long I don't remember what that's in reference to. Kids Aquatics, when you get the new shop done, since you will have a lot more fish, would the prices drop? Probably not. Um... But maybe, like long term, well, cost of everything goes up. But in relation to the rate of inflation, hopefully long term we could do that a little bit. as Because as we grow, there will be efficiencies that come into that. But um, all the modeling I've done so far has not uh, taken into account a price drop. Because it's hard to predict. I might be able to as we grow order things, do larger orders with suppliers, and that might result in some kind of a price cut um, from my suppliers. And if that happens, then, then that could be reflected. But there's a lot of variables for that. And I think the safe answer is until the shop's up and running and I have a little bit of experience with it, um, it's a, we're doing a weird system. Like, I don't know anyone else that's going to have a shop that that runs the way we run ours. And so I, I've got to get a, a feel for it a little bit before I know if exactly what impact I can have on the prices, I guess is the honest answer. Um, mismatched socks. I just, I love that name. Got some Betta and Bellas and they bred, which is exciting. Says, the Betta and Bellas babies are starting to look like real fish. Cool. Super neat experience. Thank you again. Hey, I'm glad they bred for you. And I'm thrilled you were able to get them up past that little glass sliver stage and into the big enough to look like real fish stage. That's exciting. I mean, once you're at that stage, then they're, they're out of the danger zone until their endocrine system kicks in. So there's two kind of danger zones with really small baby fish. The first is when they're first hatched, 
they're just super small. So how do you get food into them, right? Because you have to have tiny food. And how do you do that? And how do you get enough food to them that they have, they don't starve and they grow well, but also that you can keep the water clean. So that's challenge number one. After a while, they're big enough to eat baby brine shrimp. That challenge kind of dissipates. Challenge number two with fish, and this is not usually talked about, is when the endocrine system kicks in. So anyone that's bred and raised large numbers of, well, it doesn't have to be massive numbers, but fish, lots of different kinds of fish and tried it many times, will probably have noticed that often you'll get the fish going and they'll go fine and they'll get to a certain size and then you'll start to experience a die off. And a lot of time we say, oh, that tank was too crowded. I should have thinned them out, which is true. But an underlying cause for a lot of that is the moment the endocrine system kicks in, a lot of changes happen to that fish. And if water quality is compromised or there's other things that are on the edge of being acceptable, that stress of all that hormonal change and all the reactions going on in that fish uh, can be the thing that does them in. So you might have a batch that's raising up, it's doing fine, everything's fine, and then you'll notice, man, they always die when they get about an inch. Why is that? Well, it's very likely that it could be that the endocrine system is kicking, kicking in and just you were on the edge already and that kicking in pushed them over the edge. So just keep that in mind. If you're raising baby fish, right around that time, you need to be extra cautious. You need to be, is the water quality awesome? Do I need to thin these out? Um, just get ready for puberty, basically. <laughs> Jason W., what is your process for treating loricaridae? Same as all my other fish. Um, I've got some videos out on it, so I'd encourage you to go to the Dance Fish uh, YouTube channel and check out like uh, quarantine processes and procedures. I think if you put that into YouTube, then the quarantine videos will pop up. And uh, there's a whole series on how we do that here. But I, I do the same with them as I do the other fish. So they're dewormed and all, all that stuff. Marie Z, they can check out Get Gills for Shrimp. Yes, there are definitely Get Gills um, sellers that sell shrimp as well. And I don't know why I didn't think of that. That should have been the first thing I thought of. <laughs> See here, what are people saying? People are saying LRB, Aquahuna. Some people get shrimp off Reddit. Shrimpy business. Just one more fish. Yeah. Just one more fish with Josh. He's on get gills. Sorry, Josh. I didn't even think of that earlier and I should have. I'm really bad at my job sometimes. <laughs> I'm just curious. That's interesting. I don't think anyone said flip aquatics. I've never bought from flip aquatics. I just know that they specialize in shrimp. Kids aquatics, low and shiny. You know it. How low and shiny can you go? <laughs> Just one more fish with Josh. Good call on the 20 long for the new clown killie. They appear to be very content. It's for Neocaridina. I would be happy to help out with any questions. Sure, yeah. So um, this is a guy that sells shrimp and folks have good experience with. Just one more fish. Check him out as well. And sorry, Josh, that I didn't think of that earlier. Alex Repco, any tricks to breed Corridors or Bowdy? Um, Nothing that isn't kind of like a standard getting Cory's to breed trick. 
Um, the, tons and tons of food. It takes a lot of food. So lots of food. Don't pollute the water, but lots of food. So that balance, how do you keep them super fat and lots of food? So feed them like crazy for a couple weeks. Then big water change with cool water, maybe 50 to 75% water change and add cool water to the tank. Not cold, but if you're at, I don't know, if you're at 78 degrees, put cold enough water in that by the time you're done filling the tank back up after a 50% water change, let's say, that now you're at 73 degrees or something. That's That might be a good way to do it. Um, and kind of add it in gradually. You don't want to go overboard, but lowering the temperature is good, especially if you do that water change right is like, the barometric pressure is dropping in your area because a storm's blowing in, right? And a low pressure system is coming by. That can be very helpful. So lots of food, big water change with a little cooler temperature during a low pressure system build would be a good place to start. Another trick is get yourself some Corydoras Aeneas or Paleotis, super easy to breed. Keep them in another tank. When the Aeneas or Paleotis start breeding, take a bunch of water from that tank and put it in with your Rabaudi. And there's some thoughts that the hormones released during breeding of your Aeneas are in their water. And so when you put that in with your Rabaudi, it might coax them to start spawning. So there's different tricks like that. My experience, the best way to get Corys to breed is some kind of big change, water change or something in a lot of food. When all else fails, sometimes I'll take them out of one tank and move them into another tank. And often that will induce them to spawn as well. Nurse Beckus throwing down $9.99. Well, thank you right back at you, Nurse Beckus. Thanks for the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required. But they do make the wife super happy, them super chats. Skipper's Aquarium's throwing down $2. Says time for the drawing. Well, since Skipper's aquatic aquariums sorry not aquatic since skipper's aquariums is providing the drawing then i should do what he says so we are going to give away right here right now about 12 cardinal tetras um looks like we have 188 eligible users and the winner is carla carla mullenkamp carla mullenkamp congratulations um that is a name i recognize carla's been around for quite a while so congrats you have won about a dozen uh, Cardinal Tetras provided by Skipper's Aquariums. So if you um, are here, let us know. You've got about a minute to respond and say, I'm here. So we know you're here because you do have to be present to win. Then you'll have won. And then you just email me, dan at dancefish.com with your first and last name and your mailing address. And I will send them to you on Monday. They should arrive to you on Tuesday of next week. So Carla, hopefully you're here. We're all standing by anxiously to see if Carla appears. Come on, Carla. While we're waiting, let's see. Where's the next? Did I see something about cowbell? <laughs> oh, cowbell ice cream. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but as Saturday Night Live taught us, we all need more cowbell in our lives. It's been a minute, Carla. Andrew Purr tried feeding the artificial snails and cube completely broke apart in less than 12 hours. Hang on. We'll get to that in a minute. Looks like Carla is not here. Let me just check here. Make sure I'm not. Yep. Carla has not chimed in. So therefore we're going to go to the next winner. Sorry. Sorry, Carla, but you do have to be present to win and we do have to stick with the rules. So the winner is, Michael Meliere. Michael, congratulations. 
welcome. And if you're here, let us know. You've got about a minute to chime in. Let us know you're here so I can send you a dozen Cardinal Tetras. Andrew Purr, so yes, Rapashi does break down. It takes a long time, but uh, it should take quite a while. So um, the idea isn't necessarily that it'll last in there forever, but it should last for several hours. And I don't know, I mean, is it 12? Is it 8? Is it 10? I, I don't know. But uh, it'll last for a while. Okay, Michael Meliere is there. Michael, you have won. So send me an email, dan at dansfish.com, and we will get you hooked up with... <laughs> with some Cardinal Tetris. The only time I ever think about adjusting the timer on this tank for daylight savings change that happened recently is when it snaps off during the live stream. I never think of it until it does it the next live stream. Crown tail. Oh, so back to Andrew. So Andrew, yeah, I mean, you can keep feeding that artificial snail stuff, but you'll just need to remove it from the tank um, a little before it starts breaking down like that. Or often when it breaks down, it'll break down into like a little pile right there and you can just siphon it out as well. But yeah, 12 hours. I, I mean, I don't know if I, when I was talking about it, I don't know the time that I said, but 12 hours is a long time to expect a food to, to stay intact in water. So maybe it's four hours, maybe it's eight hours. I, I'm not quite sure. Crown tail half moon. Can you explain how to save my guppy fry? One month old. I see deaths almost daily. I do. Okay. So I think I would, uh, I mean, to me, that's probably an endocrine system issue, like we were talking about before. They're a month old, and now you're starting to see it. So if your water parameters are good, check that, nitride, ammonia, all that. Often the fix to this stuff is just you do 50% water changes daily or every other day. I don't know how many of these are in this tank, but it might be time to divide them out. You might just have too many in the tank. But also, it could be at a month that their endocrine system starting to kick in, so they need to be treated with more care, which often means separate them. Take half of them out of that tank, put them in another tank, and uh, suddenly a lot of the environmental stress from having that many fish in the tank will go away and they'll do better. Now, I'm just guessing. Maybe you're like, but... It's a 55-gallon planted tank that's been running for five years, and there's only five guppies in it. Like, I don't, I don't know. In that case, I wouldn't know what's going on. But I suspect you're getting some crowding, and their endocrine system's kicking in. Bunny Viper, thanks so much for your help. You're fantastic. Aw. I'm curious how much you might charge on the rose lines and possibly a guess at the size you'll receive. No idea. I order what I order and I get what I get. So I don't know. I don't know the size I'll get and I, I won't know the price until they've gone through quarantine. All right. With that, we're at 831. So it is time for us to boogie on out of here. But before we do, I want to acknowledge a couple super chats. Kayla's Aquatics throwing down a pile of nitrates for me. Thank you so much. I'm sure the plants in the tank behind me will appreciate that. In the secret history of living in your aquarium, $1.49 with some ice cream. Given the choice, I'll take the ice cream. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much. Good to see you here. Glad you're around. Um, and yeah, um, with that, I think, yeah, we're out of time. Thanks for being here, everybody. We do this every Wednesday 
evening at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, for those that don't know where the mountains are. Thanks to my mods for being here and doing what they do every week. I appreciate you guys. Thank you to Skipper's Aquariums, our very own Skipper's Aquariums, who is a mod here for providing the giveaway tonight providing the Cardinal Tetras. Appreciate you doing that. All the Super Chats, much appreciated. Thanks, folks. It does help out. Everyone that was active, left a question or comment. I appreciate that. Making this lively is something that uh, I rely on. I probably could get up here and just talk for an hour and a half randomly about fish, but it's so much better when there's questions and comments to uh, <laughs> to riff off of. So thanks. Dolly Vigil, it was awesome to see you. All you lurkers, I'm with you. Lurker Nation, long live the Lurker Nation. Everyone watching the replay, hope one day you can join us live. But I get it. Until next time, Wednesday, 7 p.m. I hope you all have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>